Hey, it's EDB, that's Eric Deshaun Barrett for this day nine of month seven, 2023. Our Sunday meditation is gearing up. We're going to get to it to it in just a few moments. Greetings and salutations, one and all. Greetings and salutations. Yeah, Mama Belle is here all the way from uh, from Switzerland. Yeah, my favorite place. Good morning. Yeah, good Hi, morning. Good morning. Good to hear you, boys. Yeah, <laughs> all the fine folks. Yeah. <laughs> yes. This morning, uh, Mama Bell beat me up, so I'm going to tell you, I said I was going to start this off at the beginning of the day. And uh, I've been processing, and we're going to have a a deeper dive and discussion uh, some other time. But uh, the thing that we want to do is try to figure out uh, how to uh, run this organization, this little thing where it is uh, not a massive institution. I don't believe that is uh, the goal of the vision. But we do want it to run independently of anyone's personal, uh, uh, or, or should I say relieve the, the financial burden off of any one or two people. And I looked it up. We have to. We put the papers together. I'm putting the papers together. Uh, it would cost somewhere with equipment and all that other good stuff. Now the number's gonna sound high, but when you break it down, it's gonna make sense. It would probably run somewhere about four or five thousand to run this a year. Now, when you look at how many people is in here, that's probably about $10 a week for everybody. I told you it won't that high. This church is not hard to run. And that's part of the reason why I never told you anything, because it's really not that hard to run. But at the same time, as a mentor, a young lady told me, she said, you let Negroes get away with the store and then give them the bricks, too. And I said, what does that mean? She said, all black folks ain't broke. They just want you to act like they are. So you need to start telling some of these Negroes that they're going to have to pay for at least the bricks. And so it breaks down to that. It's about $400 a month. To run this place, which again, with the number of masses of people that are involved, if we only took half of the people, if half of the people did it, that'd be like forty dollars each for everybody. That's just half. I'm telling you, it's not that hard to run this organization. And again, that was my, in some cases, my uh, inferiority. Uh, to not even think about the fact that it's not that hard. Some of your uh, your churches that you are going to leave here and attend, uh, Brother Dennis, I, I'll just pick on him for a minute because I can. Well, him and a couple other people, uh, their churches right now uh, over there, when I was working at First Baptist Norfolk, the light bill in that church was $16,000 a month. And that was 10, 20 years ago. It's somewhere north of 20 now. You know, the light bill over there, the First Presbyterian or Freemason Street is somewhere in the, the tens to $20,000 a month. So you talk about an organization that takes five to 10 to run a year compared to a month, you tell me which church is cheaper. So I just want you to tell you that. And also keep in in that same vein, churches, in your prayers. I I got an email the other day. I'm not going to name where. But uh, uh, 
uh, they're, they're, we were talking about doing a program, and I guess I will name it if I tell you this, and we were talking about going to do a, with Mama Bell and do a thing, and we never got back, found out. They're trying to figure out how to keep the lights on. Their finances is going a little bit down. So, so church is hard these days. All of these churches, these big brick-and-mortar institutions are trying to figure out how to, to, to maintain these massive structures. And uh, when you're going there, they're, they're needing you to do anywhere between twenty and thirty and $40,000 a Sunday just so they can stay afloat. We don't need that here, and that is the, the fortunate thing. Uh, but it's also uh, uh, unfair to uh, only have one or two people who know what's going on in the finance department, and the rest of the people just, uh, as as they say, uh, get away with the store and the bricks. So I just want to tell you that. Now, this is how this is going to go. Uh, there will be a proverbial. We're going to go back to the old Pentecostal church where there will be a little for mama to proverbially on the wall. And every month we'll say we, we our goal of the month is about that $400. I think it is. We said it is. Once we reach that, I ain't going to talk about it no more. Anything that, that goes over that will go into the next month. We're not operating off a of surplus. We don't need to. We're not trying to drain anybody. We're just going to do what we're going to do. We're going to take the pressure off of the one or two people who have been carrying it. And I'm, I don't want to put anybody out, but there have been one or two people who have been carrying the load of, of our meeting, and I believe it's time to relieve the pressure off of them and put it on the whole community. And there's enough resources around here to do it, and we have done it. Mama Bear, you know we raised almost $1,000 in 20 minutes. So, so it, 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 it's, it's there for us to do and for us to slowly do it and, and work on it, and we're not going to break the bank, and we're going to grow. And the more we grow, uh, the good thing around here is the more people you bring, the less the budget is individually. So people and views and mouths is the centerpiece of what we do. Money is 2% of it. So tell people to call in. If you ain't got no money, you can get on the phone and tell them to call. That's the thing. That's the main thing we need. Tell folks to get up and come join us. And if they can't join us, tell them to listen to us online or listen to us in other places and take our cards and greeting cards and go out, and we're going to put those greeting cards out. We were supposed to do that. We didn't do that either. We're going to do that, put those cards out. And the more people we have, the better we are. So my final word before Mama Bear comes to play and Brother Dennis does this. Do not let that little dollar sign I just told you deter you or make you feel anyway. It does not cost that much to run this church. This is the easiest church financially you'll ever go to. The hardest part is the people. We need to win people. So that is the prayer that I ask you to consider this morning and in the future is that they say we'll bring in the she's, as that, that old song said. I ain't going to say that because I want to mess Mama Bell up, whatever she's going to play. You already messed me up. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I talked too long. <laughs> Do we need a moment of silence for you to think about what you're doing with your life? <laughs> think of who and what I am. <laughs> yeah, you, they ain't had nothing to do with me. When I called you, you didn't know where you were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Mama Bell, if you ready, 
Y'all yeah. whisper a prayer for Mama Bell. She'll get it. Yeah, please, please. Mm. Okay. This is the pen, okay? Oh, you ready? Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Mama Bell. Uh, I know Eric had you twisted around there for a minute, but I'm glad you got untwisted. Thank you for that beautiful <laughs> song this morning. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the first virtual church. What a great day it is. We just made it through a celebratory week. I hope everybody enjoyed their Fourth of July fireworks, whatever extravaganza that they might have saw participated in, and took a moment to thank God that we are in a nation where we can celebrate and uh, not only celebrate our heritage, uh, but celebrate that we can worship our Savior. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Eric talked to you a little bit this morning, and what he said was important. And we have to put that in our minds and 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 think about it. And if uh, you know, um, it's not always it's not always easy to do things, and it's not always easy to make sacrifices. But sometimes we have to, and uh, sometimes those sacrifices uh, generate things that we never thought could happen. And uh, just like the first virtual church, a lot of people thought that this would ever happen, but it has, and it's continuing to, to thrive. And we want to we want to invest in that and make it grow even more. So think about what Eric said. You know, invite, have people call, just to listen. That has to be, um, you know, first thing on on Sunday morning. They can actually tune in a little bit later. I understand. I'm not familiar with all that uh, electronics or whatever you need to do to do that, but I'm sure uh, it, that could be explained and, and uh, people will find out. Maybe that'll be on, on the cards that uh, we'll have. But anyway, uh, again, welcome to welcome to church. Welcome to the message that's going to be given, and and welcome to hear the fine playing of Mama Bell. You know, uh, she was 
missed the last couple times that she was here last Sunday, but before that she missed a couple days and, of our services and, uh, you know, it left a hole. And, and for me it did, you know, she uh, she's a part of who we are. And, and uh, you know, we, we must continue to pray for her and that uh, God will continue to give her the strength that she needs so we can uh, enjoy what she provides for us just as she's going to come back and provide for us our, our anthem that uh, how much Jesus loves us. And, and remember that as we go through this week, Jesus doesn't just love us on Sunday. He loves us all the time, no matter who we are, what we are, or what we think we should be. Jesus and God are always there watching over us. And we must thank him for that, not just today, but most definitely every day on the bell. moment of meditation this morning, a moment of prayer, if you will. Many people look at prayer and meditation in various ways. I found myself having a conversation with a medical professional. And that medical professional, son of the Church of God in Christ, I must mention that because it's important. As a son of the Church of God in Christ, this medical professional, I guess I should say he's a dude now since I said he was a son. He said, I was born and the Church of God in Christ. I understand and I believe and I am passionate about the idea and the ideals of the Church of God in Christ. The praise, the worship, the meditation. But the thing that I feel that most of us, at least in our community, need to understand is that when we talk about it doesn't take all that, we are not dismissing the power of praise, nor are we diminishing the art of prayer. But what we are saying is that you are aware of what sometimes those things are doing to you. The truth of the matter is the... Uh, Pentecostal experience is an intense workout, high-intensity 
workout. You're shouting, you're dancing, you're uh, exhorting a lot of energy. And, and sometimes in the prayers, the significant amount of energy that you lose, we, you'll be surprised at just trying to connect with God. Your blood pressure can go up. Your uh, sugar can go up. Your uh, the damage that it may do to your body just connecting with God. So when somebody says it doesn't take all that, really you don't have to kill yourself for God to hear you. You don't have to talk to him angrily. You don't have to talk until you're hoarse. You don't have to talk until you can't speak. You don't have to talk until you're out of breath. He'll hear you. The scripture of the song, should I say, says, he will hear the faintest, the most quietest cry he can hear. He can hear even when you don't speak. Sometimes when you're praying, the good thing is to tell the Lord, look, if I talk about it, you know it's going to make me mad. So, God, you know what's wrong with me. I think it's obvious or or should be obvious, but it's not, that some people pray in anger. And the truth of the matter is, Anger hurts you. It doesn't hurt the person listening. It doesn't hurt God. It hurts you. Anything we do in anger is detrimental to our health. So praying quietly. Taking deep breaths in and out. As you take in, you take in all the frustrations. You take in all the hurts. You take in all the emotions. And then you let it out. And just like in that moment when Jesus was on the cross and he expelled that last breath, and he said, into thy hands. I commit it all. The things that I don't even want to remember. There was a song that they used to sing down in the church. If you find anything, what they meant by that is sometimes you just don't know what's in you. So you ask the Lord to come in and do a little cleaning. If you think about it like you clean your home, some of you clean it once a week, others you clean it once a month. I don't really know what the regimen is. Or you may be one of those persons, you may have a service that comes in because you need a little assistance. However, or whatever the the process is, the moral of the story is that somebody participates in the cleaning. We wash the clothes, we, we wash the dishes, we mop the floors, we vacuum stain, we cut the grass, all these different things. And, and in that time of cleaning, what you're doing is you're finding stuff that shouldn't be. Dirt shouldn't be there. Dust shouldn't be here. This, this, this sheet needs to be washed. These towels need to be put away. This this is not right. We might need to throw these different things away. You're finding things that shouldn't be. So you come to worship on Sundays and Wednesdays, it's an opportunity to let the heavenly cleaning crew come in. 
and you just sit in the corner and you just let them work. And if you ever had anybody come in and clean, sometimes they might come to you and they might say, Mama, uh, this don't look like it should be here. I think we should get rid of it. Now, if your mama's is anything like mine, they like to hold on to everything they got to you. So you go try to convince them to get rid of something and they'll throw it back. No, I, I might need that one day. The reality is, psychologically and spiritually, you're hoarding. Just like your house is junked up, your heart is junked up. And God comes by and he says, Mama, throw this away. No, 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 I'm going to need that one day. So you put that pain back in the corner. You put that frustration back in the corner. You put that hurt back in the corner. And every time the cleaning crew comes around, it's got to wash around all the junk that you don't want to get rid of. Let the cleaning crew do its job. Let them clean it all out. Your mama stepped on your toe back in 1927. She's dead. Go dig up. You ain't going to know what she She's just bones out there, ugly dirt right now. Can you believe you still angry about somebody that's been out there in the yard 20-some years? The maggots didn't finish with them. And you still angry about it. Let it go. The business been destroyed 40 years and you still talking. Let it go. Yes, your husband and your wife is crazy. They were stupid when you married them. It's all right. Let it go. I know what it's like. I've been married now some time. Sometimes the wife gets on your nerves. She does. Sometimes you want to call them stupid. Yeah, but then you know what? You know what? Sometimes I got to say, well, who was the fool? Because I chose the woman. So if she fool, I'm stupid for choosing her. And then you go, I ain't stupid. Well, then she ain't stupid either. And then you move on. Let it go. That's just who they are. That's just what they do. Everybody's got their quirks. Everybody's got their quarrels. Everybody's got their idiosyncrasies. We're all falafel. Let it go. I'm going to quietly allow, don't take God long. Some of the stuff you already know what's in there anyway. He needs to go. Just let him go and do what he does. And while he's doing that, we. We might have some stuff. He already knows about it anyway, but, but he might, you, you might want to tell him, you know, God, why are you here? You know, you, you already know that over there need to go. Just, just go ahead and get rid of that too. You can do that by whispering a prayer. Just whisper it to him. Whisper a prayer. In the morning, whisper a prayer at noon. Whisper a prayer in the evening to keep your heart in tune. God, you know. I don't know if you did, but, but just in case you didn't, he answers prayer in the morning. He answers prayer. Did you know that? I'm sure you did. 
He'll even answer that news. And if breakfast and lunch wasn't good, he'll come by for dinner in the evening. Just to keep the line open. Keep the heart in tune. And all those who believe in the power of prayer, we respond with a howdy. Amen. Amen. Joshua. Joshua. Chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Verse 2. Joshua chapter 1 verse 2 says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving to the Israelites. Verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their ancestors to give them as an inheritance. And above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left so that you will have success wherever you go. From death to victory. From dead to victory. That's what we want to talk about today. And all the people who believe in the Bible respond with a howdy. Amen. Amen. Death. Most folks don't like death. They don't like death because it takes away, it, it removes, it leaves a void, it, it, it causes pain. Most folks don't like death because it took their mother, it took their father. They, they no longer can have tea time by the fire. Death took auntie, it took papa, it took granny, it took, it took auntie, it took uncle. We don't like death is bad. The reality of it is death Unchecked is toxic. We can't move on because we only see the world through the eyes of the dead. The plate won't granted didn't leave that plate like that. Mama, she had the forks this way. We can't evolve, we can't grow, we can't progress because we can't get out of the idea and the ideals of the dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. 
That is a significant statement as I love to talk about the importance of the Bible and how it has so many different facets to it. It's complicated. It's, it's convoluted. It's, it's compiled with a lot of different ideas and ideals, so much so that the Bible, even in its infinite state, in its present condition, cannot contain all the ideas and the ideals of the world, even of the scriptures for that matter. So it's very strategic what's in it. So when the Bible says something, it actually has a significant meaning. Moses is dead. If you notice, Joshua chapter 1 has one verse. It talks about who Joshua is. It lets you know that Joshua was Moses' assistant. He was the second in command. He was the assistant bishop, if you will. The Church of God in Christ, they had called him the first assistant presiding. And after the death of the presiding bishop, which was Moses, now the automatic, the constitution, if we're looking at this from a cogent perspective, the constitution of the church would say the first assistant assumes the responsibility. And God came down since the church had no legislative branch. They had no judicial branch. We didn't need the board of bishops or the delegation to give a two-thirds vote. It was God and God himself. And he came down and he said, the presiding bishop is dead. Now you go. Now please, if you will, Allow me the opportunity to not gloss over that. Now, you. It didn't say now you have Moses. It says now you. It didn't say you of Granny. It said now you. It didn't say you of your aunt. It said now you. What is you? The most freeing thing in the world, when I was growing up, everybody would always compare me to my uncle. You, you, you act like your uncle. And, and one day, my uncle went, and I was talking, or he was saying something. He said, well, this is what I would do. You should do this. And the most freeing thing in the world, Mama Bell, was when I learned the power of my name. I looked my uncle in the face that day and I said, you are Joseph Warren Barrett III. And my name is Eric Deshaun. I am not you. That was freeing because what that understood, even though I come through the line of the Barrett, even though I am a product of the Welches, but the first part, the most significant part is Eric Deshaun. That's me. Now, the Barretts may be businessmen. The Barretts may be entrepreneurs. The Welches may be doctors and lawyers. They may be high-fluential people in the community. That may be the stock by which I am accustomed or which I am connected. But Eric Deshaun is me. And there are certain individual ideas and ideals that come with Eric Deshaun. I look like my mother. 
I, in some cases, have the personality. The X and Y chromosomes are there. But there's still that individualism, that special piece. That was that, that ingredient that when the chief architects of time went together and they put me on the proverbial assembly line, they put special ingredients in you and me. And those special ingredients defines us. It distinguishes us. No one on planet Earth has the same fingerprint. We don't have the same eyelashes. You might have 25. I got 29. Your head maybe looks from a very, very broad view. It may look the same, but when you, when you peel back the onion, when you get into the microscope, when you look at it from God, he'll say, no, her head is about 12 centimeters shorter. To the naked eye, we might look like we are the same size. We might look like we have the same features. But see, God comes down, and he looks at you, and he goes, no. She's a half-string shorter. And that half-string, that little teeny minute detail that you can't see without the microscope of heaven is what distinguishes me from all the rest. Moses is dead, which means that I'm not going to compare you to him. I'm not going to expect you to wear his shoes. I'm not going to say Moses did it this way. If you even think about the idea of crossing the Jordan, even that wasn't different or wasn't the same. Moses crossed the Red Sea, but the Joshua didn't cross the Jordan the same way. And then Joshua led the people into the promised land. He led the people into Canaan. He marched around the Jericho wall. He brought down things. No, Moses didn't have that. There are things that you will do. There are things that I will do. That our predecessors, that our ancestors did not have the the possibilities to do. Paul speaks about that in one of his letters. He says, look, the gifts and the things that you and I have were mysteries to Papa and Grandma. Moses didn't have the, the privilege of the Holy Spirit. God came down and walked behind Moses. God didn't come down and get in Moses. Whenever Moses needed God, he had to go find him somewhere. Elisha said, I looked for him. I couldn't find him. I looked in all the right places, all the politically correct places, but it won't there. I found him somewhere. It didn't make no sense. They had to find it, but you don't have to find it. I don't have to find it. Now you go. And the only thing that God connected Moses to Joshua was with this. He told him, he said, listen, I told Moses some stuff. 
I gave Moses the road map. Now, the road map doesn't change. That's why I believe in old people, because old people know where we've been. Young folks know where we're going. It's good to go back and think about Moses from time to time. Because when you do, you you make certain that you are profiting from his errors, that you are you are understanding what he did. So so that when you go out to try to cross the Jordan, you know where well, we know it didn't work. When Moses when Moses got to the Red Sea, we we know that that if, the, if his arms fell, that was a problem. So we know not to do that now. It's good in looking back. History is a very important ingredient in the advance in the advancement of a society. They overcame, John said in Revelation. They got victory because somebody knew history. History is important, but living in it. Parking, making residence in the past, only believing that the right way was what they did back yonder without understanding why they did it back yonder. I get into conversations all the time. I was talking to a gentleman last night. We had a conversation. Back yonder, if you was black, you had to have an education. You had to go to an Ivy League institution because if you did not do that, then you probably would not survive in this culture. Those days no longer exist. I don't have to go to school to be somebody. As a matter of fact, they are begging me to come to school just because they want some money. It's their game now, not mine. Back when my aunt and grandpa, great-grandpa and all them were coming along, the schools, the institutions, Mama Bell, you can attest to this, and all the seniors on the line, the schools had the advantage back then. The schools had the cards. Now the people have the cards. Mark Zuckerberg dropped out of Harvard, and now Harvard can't survive without Mark Zuckerberg. Steve Jobs dropped out of Stanford or one of those institutions. I don't remember. But you go to Stanford, and you go in any room and find one that doesn't have an Apple computer in it. Bill Gates. If they don't have an Apple, they got a Windows. Somewhere between Steve and Bill, you can't run an institution. The people have the hand. I have power that you can't see. God is living inside me. I can fight any enemy, because God and me are a majority. You go. And then have faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Stand flat foot on what you believe, regardless of any obstacles, regardless of anybody's personal perspective, their idea or ideals, you are significant. Your plan is your plan. God came down to Joshua. And the significant thing that I would like to point out, just one detail, if you don't mind, he came down, and before he came down, should I say, let's go back, in that first verse, when he, when he introduces Joshua, he says, Joshua, and then he said it was daddy was. 
But then if you notice with me, what he didn't do is go to his daddy and tell his daddy what Joshua was going to do. He went and told Joshua what Joshua was going to do. And what I've learned from that is it doesn't matter what my daddy say. My daddy can have all the plans he wants for me. But all my daddy did one day is turn on little Teddy Pentagrass, turn the lights down low, and did some stuff with my mama. Passed by that, he ain't nothing to do with it. All my mama did, bless her heart, was receive the package and spit it out. She had nothing to do with it. It was God who constructed me inside before he, before the oven was open. He said, wait a minute, we got an oven about over here. Okay, we're going to put Eric in here. I ain't finished yet. I'm going to put this in and Put him right. I'm put that piece right there, and I'm gonna tie it right up in there. And then I'm gonna put that right over. Oh wait, I forgot. I want this right here. Let's put that right there, right there, right. Make his eyes look a little bit bigger. I want him to look bigger. So when he talks to people, he a bug eyed. Then he look at people like like and make it look like you're crazy. That'd be funny. People laugh at him. I want that to be that. That'd be he'd make up this comedy view. Then uh huh yeah yeah. Oh, and make his mouth back because he gonna eat a lot of chicken. So we gotta make sure his mouth is is pretty big because you know he can't handle no small mouth. So them chicken bones might hurt. So make his mouth look bigger. And oh oh, he gonna love them ham. Hamburgers too, yes. Yeah, so go ahead and make them them hamburgers. And then put 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 them legs right there. Them legs, them good looking legs. Yeah, put them legs right there. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right, now run them in. And before you can call what I just said rubbish, Jeremiah confirmed it. He said, "Before I formed you." In your mother's womb, before mom and daddy got there and put on Marvin Gaye and talked about let's get it on, before they turned down the lights and lit a candle, I formed you. I did some stuff. And then I did it and I put the final touches in your daddy and he introduced it to your mama and she spit it out in the earth. Now what I put in you, I'm ready for you to go. And distribute it. Be strong now, boy. Be courageous, because they're going to come for you. They're going to come and tell you, Barrett, don't act like that. And the Welches, we, we, we don't do those types of things. And I didn't, I didn't educate you to be this person. And that's when you can look them strong in their face and look them square in their eyes and say, my name is Derek Deshaun. I watched a movie one day back. Guess who's coming to dinner with Sidney Poitier. He came out there and he was doing this thing. And Sidney Poitier liked this white woman. And uh, they was having some issues because... Uh, well, you know what it is. I ain't got to tell you. And the daddy went and pulled Sidney to the side and told Sidney, he reminded him I carried the mail back 30 years. And Sidney had to look his daddy in the face and said, you carried that mail bag because you wanted to. I am not to blame. Because you didn't know where not to put your stuff. I had a conversation the other day, and the man told me, he said, do you know where your daddy is? I said, yeah, I know somebody. Well, this, that, and the third, and this, that, and the third. And I told him, I looked him in the face, and I said, I'm not to blame because my daddy didn't know what to do with his penis. Don't blame me for that. And the most empowering thing is when you can look somebody in the face and say, that is not my fault. You will not hold me because of what my daddy did. You will not hold me because of what my grand. That is not my fault fault. That's your problem, not mine. 
That's why I believe Moses, or should I say God, when he was talking to Joshua, he only mentioned the daddy, but that wasn't important. He only talked about Moses, but that was in passing. Because the significant part of the conversation was you, Joshua. You are the headliner now. And all those other things, daddy, son of none, Moses, the, the former presiding bishop, all of those things are distractions. That's the left. That's the right. Don't turn to that. No, but you stay focused. I hear my pancakes being made over there. You stay focused on who you are. You stay focused on what I have put in you. And the victory of death is that before something can be formed, something has to die. It's the balancing act of life. Death produces life. Even in the eternal story, it does not complete itself until there is death. There had to be a cross. There had to be a crucifixion. There had to be a bloody, glory Thursday and Friday because Sunday is life, but Sunday has no meaning, has no significance without Friday. There is no success. There is no victory without death. In the year that the king died, I saw the law. I tell the story all the time. I love me some Josephine Erickson Williams. That was my Aunt Joe. But truth be told, all the things that I have done and all the opportunities that I have accepted, if that woman was still alive, I'd be a dumb boy still carrying newspapers. As much as it might hurt some people, I needed that woman to die. I couldn't live until she died. Because I was stronghold. I was strong. I was hung up. I was in love. I was in need. And once the death happened, then I realized either I'm going to die with her or I'm going to figure out how to live on my own. And it was when she died. is when I began to live. I would like for you, as my dear granny comes to pray for us in just a few moments, I would like to hope that you would consider all the things. I know it hurts. I just told you your mama was dead. I know that bothers you a little bit. But don't look at her dying. Look at the potential of you living. They died that I might live. They left that I might be set free. They paved the way for mine. Oh, what a marvelous thing. Mama did a marvelous thing. Mama scrubbed the floors of the white woman's house with her toothbrushes so that I can now own the house that she scrubbed the floor in. Grandpapa went, and he worked on the assembly line to build a Cadillac that I can drive. 
Mama built the city hall so that I can go in and conduct business. Oh, what a marvelous thing. This is the Lord's doing. And it's marvelous. And I. That is my prayer for you this morning as my grandmother comes to pray. Gracious Father, we just thank you, we praise you, and we magnify your name. We thank you, dear God, because you watched over us and you start us out on another day's journey. We thank you for your mercy, your love, and your companion. We just thank you, God, for all things. And God, as we heard your word, re-preach this word in our hearts. Let us know. We are somebody because you love us so much. You care for us, and you got a road map that you have made for us, and help us to follow that road map that you have for us. We just thank you this morning. We praise you. As Paul told Timothy, put them in remembrance that they may know what thus said the Lord. And we thank you for the word this morning. We praise you, and we magnify your name. God, give us the strength today to go forth as shining lights in this dark world, praising and magnifying your name and giving you, giving God, boasting God, knowing that God do all things well. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Have a beautiful day. God bless you and a beautiful week. 